0: If your doctor told you that you had six months or three months to live, how would you respond? Probably many of us have asked ourselves that question. I know that I have, and to be honest with you, it probably would not be a pretty picture as far as I'm concerned. How would you deal with it? Well, I think my first response probably would be denial. Well, you know, the doctor's given me the wrong diagnosis here. Or he's mixed mine up with someone else. Maybe this should go to Steve, but not to me. So, I would start to pray for Steve. Lord, help him to have all joy as he goes through this trial. But then if he didn't begin to look sick after a while, I probably would move to another stage, and that's a certain amount of fear and apprehension. I suppose that most of us are like Woody Allen. He said, it's not that I'm afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) And then after that, I think that my next response would be to begin some intensive praying, because I'm looking for a second opinion at that time. Well, today as we continue our study in the Old Testament, we're going to look at a man who was told that he was going to die. His name was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was 39 years old at the time. His father had died between the ages of 36 or 37, so that probably intensified his apprehension. And I understand that. In my family, my brother, my sister, my father all died when they were in their 40s. So when I was going through the 40s, every time I had some kind of an ache or a pain, I thought, well, this is going to be it for me as well. So he probably thought because of his age that he was surely going to die. But why was this happening to him? You see, Hezekiah had been a good leader. His father Ahaz was an evil king. And Hezekiah had delivered Israel from the chaos that had been left by his father. So he was a good leader. He also had gathered together some of the Psalms and the Proverbs to preserve them. He was a religious reformer. He had destroyed the brazen serpent that was made by Moses that had become an object of worship. And yet the Bible says, Set your house in order because you are going to die and not live. Well, let's look at the story. 2 Kings chapter 20 beginning in verse number 1. In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it came about before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord... And I will add fifteen years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Then Isaiah said, Take a cake of figs. And they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Now, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? And Isaiah said, "'This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, "'that the Lord will do the thing that He has spoken. "'Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees, "'or go back ten steps?' So Hezekiah answered, "'It is easy for the shadow to decline ten steps. "'No, but let the shadow turn backward ten steps.' And Isaiah the prophet cried to the Lord, and he brought the shadow on the stairway back ten steps by which it had gone down on the stairway." Of uh, Ahaz. There are some people who see all suffering, all tragedy in life, as being the result of sin or one not being right with God. Now, I, I know that that is true in some instances, but not in all instances. In fact, the book of Job was written to refute that. Job was a good man. He was going through a difficult time and really didn't understand why. But there are those people who think that if there is suffering in one's life, if there is tragedy in one's life, it is because that person is not right with God. And we find that attitude even in the New Testament. In fact, the Bible says in Luke thirteen four, Do you suppose, this is Jesus speaking, Do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who lived in Jerusalem? So there were these people who were killed as the result of an accident, and Jesus said, now, do you think that they died because they were worse than everyone else, which is what some of them thought? And then Jesus answers his question, I tell you, no. There's another example in which the disciples came upon a man who was blind. And their question to Jesus was, whose fault was this? Whose fault is it that this man is blind? So the Scripture says in John 9, And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Now, one of the things that is of interest to me concerning that is that they don't seem to really be interested in the condition of the man. They just wanted to know who to blame for it. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Albert Barnes wrote, Many of the Jews believed in the doctrine of transmigration of souls or that the soul of a man in consequence of sin might be compelled into other bodies and be punished there. They also believed that an infant might sin before it was born, and that consequently this blindness might have come upon the child as a consequence of that. It was also a doctrine "...with many that the crime of the parent might be the cause of deformity in the child." So, you see the reason for their question. Lord, who sinned and caused this man to be born blind? Well, Jesus answered in John chapter 9, verse number 3, "...Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents." You see, ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that we have to understand is that we don't know all the reasons that people go through what they go through, but we must understand that both righteous and unrighteous suffer, that good and bad experience tragedies in life. And Hezekiah was a good man. If you go back to chapter 18, it is very complimentary of Hezekiah. Chapter 18, verse 3 says that he did right. And he did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. Many of the kings of Israel, of course, did not do right. But the Bible says Hezekiah did. So here is Hezekiah who has been told he is going to die. And yet the Bible says that he had done right. He removed the idols in chapter 18, verse number 4. He removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah. He also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it, and it was called Nahashton. Now, his father had influenced the people to follow after idols, and now the son, Hezekiah, comes, and he removes the idols that the people had been worshiping. He trusted in God. Chapter 18, verse number 5. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after Him there was none like Him among all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before Him. So He was like no other in His faith in God. The Bible says that He was obedient to God in chapter 18, verse number 6. For He clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following Him, but kept His commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses. So the the Bible says then that Hezekiah, as we look at him, was a good man. He had been a good leader. He had been obedient to God. He had led the people from idolatry back to God. All these things. So he was a good man, and yet the pronouncement has been made that he would die and not live. Another example would be Lazarus, who was the friend of Jesus The Bible says in John chapter 11, verse 3, The sisters therefore sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So whenever we look at Lazarus, and you know the story of Lazarus, when we look at him, the Bible says that he was the one that Jesus loved. In fact, when Jesus went to Bethany, he always stayed at the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. So they were very close, and Jesus loved him. And yet the Scripture says that he was sick. Truth is, it's hard for us to understand the suffering of good people. Is it not? 73rd Psalm deals with that very thing. David didn't understand it. It's hard for us to understand And Whenever, whenever uh, certain people in our church or people that we know are diagnosed as having cancer or some heart disease or some serious illness, so we struggle with that. I struggle with that. Whenever I see parents who bring their children up in the church and, and they pray for them, and you know that they do, and yet those children do not embrace God. And they go out into the world and so forth, Then we struggle with that. Well, Hezekiah was a good man, and yet there was this pronouncement of death in verse number 1b. Set your house in order, for you shall die and then not live. Set your house in order. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we all are going to die, and regardless as to when it is, we need to set our houses in order. Financially, you you need to have your bills paid. You need to have your will updated. You need to take care of your family. In fact, the scripture says in First Timothy, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So whenever I think about okay, if I were to face death, set your house in order. What do I need to do? It means that I need to get everything in in line. That I need to get things in order financially. Have them in order emotionally. Is there anything do I have aught against someone? Is is there is there anyone who needs to know that I love them? Have I expressed my love to my family? Have I expressed my love to me? You need to have that in order. Set your house in order, financially, emotionally, and certain certainly spiritually. Folks, listen, it is so important because you are going to face God, that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And my fear is there are so many people who think that because they are Baptists that they are okay, or because they have been baptized that they are okay, because they are basically good people that they are okay. My dear friend, we have to be born again. The Scripture says that we have to be forgiven of sin, that we have to be born again to be right with God. So it is imperative that we set our house in order spiritually, that we have been saved. And And I think it would be a good thing to share your faith, especially with your family. Let them know that you know the Lord and that you love the Lord. So. Good people go through difficult times in life. Now, how did Hezekiah react to this? Set your house in order because you're going to die and not live. How did he react? Well, he wasn't passive about it. The Bible says that he prayed. Verse number 2 of our text. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. When the Bible says that he turned his face to the Lord, there are various... um, uh, opinions concerning that, what does that mean, that he turned his face to the Lord? Well, in my opinion, I believe that he couldn't get out of bed, and so that became his prayer closet. He just, he just faced up against the wall so that he could focus his attention on, on the Lord. But the Bible says that he prayed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, when we are told that we are sick, it is right to pray for someone to pray for us. In fact, James wrote in chapter 5 verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So James says, is there anyone in the church who is sick? Then call for the elders or the leaders of the church and let them pray over them. Which is precisely what our deacons do. We have a a, a team of deacons who, who every deacons meeting, an hour before our deacons meeting... And we always announce this, but they are there waiting for those people who need prayer, who seriously need prayer, because that's what the Scripture says, and we believe in prayer. And so we have a team of deacons who pray for our people. Whenever they come, they are prayed for. Well, let's look at his prayer. He prayed. What was the contents? Look at verse number 3. Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good In thy side, remember, Lord. What was it that he wanted God to remember? Now, here's a man who is facing death. He goes to the Lord in prayer. As he does, he says, God, remember. What did he want God to remember about him? He says that I have walked in truth. In other words, Hezekiah is saying, Lord, I have lived a life of integrity. I have walked in truth. Sometimes it seems that we do not see a lot of that in people today, that they live lives of integrity, that they walk in truth. But as he says, God, I want you to remember me. Remember that I walked in truth and that my commitment is with a whole heart. Lord, I have not been half-hearted in my commitment to you, but I have been committed to you with my whole heart. Like the psalmist said, with all my heart, I have sought thee. And he said, Lord, I want you to remember that I have done good, which was said about Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good. He said, Lord, I want you to remember. He had a strong testimony before God. And he didn't say, God, deliver me, but God, remember me. That was his prayer. Lord, remember me about these things. And then it says in verse number 3, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. Well, tears are not unusual when someone is facing death. I suppose that we could speculate about Hezekiah as to why he wept bitterly. First, he was a young man. And that's, that's always difficult when someone is young. And we think, well, it's not time for them to die. Maybe, maybe that was a part of it. He had been faithful to God. He had walked with the Lord in truth. He had been a man of integrity. and It just doesn't seem like good people ought to experience this, especially when they're young. Maybe that was a part of it. Perhaps it was because he had no heir. His son Manasseh was born three years after this, so at this time he had no heir. And so as he's looking at his life as a young man, it might be that tears came because he thought of all those things, but there were tears. Mary and Martha wept over their brother Lazarus. The Bible says in John 11, the, the Jews then who were with her in the house and consoling her when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. There were, there were tears. As a matter of fact, Jesus, the Bible says, wept. When Lazarus had died, Jesus wept. So as I look at his reaction To the announcement, the Bible says that he prayed and he wept. But you know the amazing thing is that Almighty God was listening to his prayer. God was listening to his prayer, heard his prayer. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 54, To hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. I am constantly amazed at that thought. That God listens to me. I mean, there are a lot of important people in this world. God listens to my prayer. That He listens to your prayer. And yet that's what the Bible teaches us, that God heard His prayer. Look at verse number 4 of our text. And it came about before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayers. So the Lord sent the prophet there to say, You will die and not live. And Hezekiah cried out to the Lord, And then God said to the prophet, now turn around and go back and tell him, I have heard his prayer. Matthew Henry wrote, not that there is with God yea and nay, or that he ever says and unsays, but upon Hezekiah's prayer which he foresaw and which his spirit inclined him to, God did that for him which otherwise he would not have done. God heard his prayer. There are so many examples in the Bible of God hearing prayer. One, of course, of my favorites would be Solomon, whenever he became the king of Israel. And he was a young man, and he says, you know, I don't know how to go out and come in. And so he prayed asking God for wisdom. And the Bible says in 1 Kings 3:10 and 11, And it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said, I have done according to your words. God heard his prayer. Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom. Hezekiah said, remember me. And God said, I've heard your prayer. Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, I've heard your prayer. And James says to us, you do not have because you do not ask. I wonder sometimes what God would like to do in my life and what God would like to do in your life. And we do not have what God wants us to have because... We do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. So the Bible says that God heard His prayer. And then it continues there in verse number 5b and says, And I have seen your tears. Luther wrote, Tears have been my best teachers. The psalmist in chapter 39 verse 12 says, Hear my prayers, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears. Isn't that incredible? That God said to Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer, and I have seen your tears. In fact, the Scripture says that God the Father saw the tears of His Son. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 7, He offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save Him from death, and He was heard because of His piety. I believe that God sees the tears of His people. I believe that He hears the prayers of His people and He sees the tears of His people. In fact, in my devotional time yesterday, I was reading in Psalm chapter 56, and the psalmist said, put my tears in thy bottle. So Hezekiah cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, remember me. Remember. And then the Bible says that God heard his prayer and God saw his tears. And then it says, and He promised healing in verse number 5c. He says, and I will heal you. I believe that. I I believe that God does heal. I believe that He heals us spiritually. When we come to the Lord and we confess our sin, I believe that God heals us spiritually and that we become a child of God. I believe that. I believe that God heals physically. Now, not a lot of the things that you see on television and so forth uh, do I Sometimes I have some struggles with those things. But do I believe that God heals? Absolutely. Absolutely. He is sovereign, and I don't know the the motivation for it always or the reason that He decides to heal some and not others, but I believe that God heals. And if I didn't, then I wouldn't be praying about it. God answers prayer. He hears our prayers and sees our tears. Now, because of the enormity of the promise uh, Hezekiah wanted some confirmation, so he made a request in verse number 8. Now, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? He said, How do I know this is going to happen? God says that at one moment, He says that, that I'm going to die. The next moment, He says that, that uh, He has heard my prayer and saw my tears. And now then He says that He's going to heal me, how do I know that this is going to happen? Well, the prophet gave him a choice in verse number nine. Isaiah said, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the thing that he's spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or go back ten steps? So Hezekiah answered, It's easy for the shadow to decline ten steps. No, let the shadow turn backward ten steps. Now, what do you want? Do you want the shadow to continue the way that it's going, or do you, as confirmation, or do you want it to go back as confirmation? He said, Well, you know, I'm not sure that's confirmation if it continues the way that it's going. But if this is really going to happen, then let's have the shadow to go back. There was confirmation, verse number 11. Isaiah the prophet cried to the Lord, and he brought the shadow on the stairway back ten steps by which it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. But the point is, Hezekiah needed confirmation. Lord, you said you're going to do this. How do I know this? That's not unusual. You know, sometimes we, we say, well, there's not much faith when someone asks the Lord for confirmation. But you can find that in, in the Scripture. Whenever the Lord said to Gideon, Gideon, I want you to lead my people to battle against the Midianites, and you're going to have a great victory. And Gideon said, now, Lord, do you know who I am? He said, I, I am, I'm the least in my family, and my family's the least in the tribe, and our tribe is the least And you, how do I know that? And he said, God, I'd like you to do something for me. he said, I'm going to take a fleece and put it out in the yard. And when I get up in the morning, if this is really from you, then I want that fleece to be wet and all the ground to be dry. So he got up the next morning, the fleece was wet and the ground was dry. And he said, well, what a coincidence. And he said, now, Lord, here's what I'd like you to do. He said, I'm going to put this fleece out in the yard. And when I get up in the morning, I'd like for the fleece to be dry and all the ground to be wet. And the next morning he got up and looked and... It was as he had asked. But God gave him confirmation because we struggle with those things. Moses needed confirmation. The Lord said to Moses, you are going to lead my people to the promised land. And Moses said, Lord, I I can't speak. I need a little confirmation. He says, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? You want me to go and speak to Pharaoh? Why, Why should he pay any attention to me? What if they won't believe me? I'm going to get out there. You tell me this is going to happen. Lord said, "Moses, what's that you got in your hand?" He said, "It's a staff." He said, "Throw it down." He threw it down, turned it into a snake. There was some confirmation. That's the thing is that I think when our hearts are right, our motivation, our intent is right, yes, we struggle. I do. Yes, we struggle. And there are those times in our life when we simply need God's confirmation. And folks, here's the thing that I learned some years ago is that when we have a situation and a decision has to be made, normally what we want is for God to give us confirmation and then we respond to His confirmation. It doesn't work that way because that eliminates faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when God is speaking to you about something, and you have come to the place that you're willing to do it or not do it, whatever you believe to be God's will, and you get everything together, and you say, God, it seems to me that this is what I am supposed to do, then you respond in faith, and after you respond in faith, then God gives confirmation. But confirmation always follows faith. Your act of faith. There has to be an act of faith first, otherwise, faith is eliminated. So, what do we learn from Hezekiah? All people suffer, good and bad. We all go through difficulties in life. It is correct for us to pray. I don't know what you're going through today. I know that several of you stood a while ago and, and people prayed for you. There are things going on in your life I don't know anything about. But I know that it is right to pray. You take it to the Lord, and then you have faith. You respond in faith that God hears the prayers of his people, and you act in that faith, and regardless as to the answer, it is going to be right because you have responded in faith and because God is good. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that the Lord is the answer. Our gracious Father and God, we come to a point now when we've heard your word and it is time for us to act on what we have heard. Lord, I pray today that there might be a response of faith. And I pray, Father, for those who need a sense of confirmation from you that they would receive that today. But, Lord, that they would, uh, would settle in their hearts that they are going to be obedient to you and they are going to act in faith that you might give the confirmation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. We extend an invitation. My friend, set your house in order. If you're here without Jesus, you need Him. Trust Him today. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. And if you just need to pray and talk to the Lord, I want you to feel free to do that. Stand with me, please, as we stand together and the choir sings, You come, I'll greet you as you do.